Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Niche Podcast about the one thing that I know something about, game shows, I suppose. I'm your host, Jordan Haas. This is a strange episode, because while I am introducing you to game shows, I suppose, this is also the last episode of game shows, I suppose. Come on, everybody, say it with me. It is the end of July, 2020. If you're listening to this, it is most likely November. I have went through at least two years doing this podcast about the one genre of television that I really love the most, game shows. And yes, it is really sad to end a podcast, but... It was also my mission to go through one gauntlet. A gauntlet looking at every pricing game from the prices right, the pricing game spotlight. If my coordinates are correct, I feel like I'm a space journalist here. Uh, If my coordinates are correct, I have already covered every pricing game from the prices right every Wednesday and did solo sessions every Wednesday and combined them. This would be the last episode. Why would this be the last episode? Because there are no new pricing games. If my beliefs are to be true, I would only assume that the price is right, because this is July and we're talking late November, will have returned in some capacity, either in retro episodes or in play-at-home Skype conversations. They're already trying to figure out how to bring back the prices right in some capacity. But if I'm going to play a hunch, I don't think there was a new pricing game being announced anytime during Premiere Week to now. If there is, then this would obviously be one week later, and, well, you wouldn't tell the difference, can you? And I'd have to probably have scrambled to talk about some bullshit game show that I don't really care about. So... As I've done my journey, I remember first episode, I was talking about 1 versus 100. We talked Cube, we talked Jeopardy, I brought in guests, and we talked about some of the all-time greatest game shows of all time. Concentration, we talked about uh, Chopped, we talked about Big Brother. And in our last half of this quarter, COVID hit, and... It took its toll on everyone, both physically and mentally. For me, I had to make the the decision. Do I end the podcast or do I continue? And it was really a tough decision because I love talking about game shows. As you might have suspected, you tell me to talk about a game show, I can blatter about it for a good hour. Two hours, maybe even three hours. And it was it was kind of tough to let go of it. Uh, but most likely by now I've come to terms with it. And my workaround is simply put, if I feel like talking about a game show, I'll probably talk about it on Patreon. So before we get to today's big episode, the series finale of Game Shows, I suppose... If you want more of me blattering about game shows, most likely you'll hear another feed on Patreon.com, and there will be episodes there. I don't know if it'll cost a dollar or five dollars, 
But I do know if you come to me and you say you can't afford it, I'll gladly give it to you for free. While I would kind of say this is more of like a tip jar to do on Patreon, I kind of feel like for the toll it takes on me, for the mental uh, toll it takes to waste so much time while there's a lot of uh, problems going on in my life personally and also look at the freaking real world, folks. It's not pretty at all. Uh, that I have to basically uh, stop it. I have to stop the episode. So I figure when was a good time to end it? And I figure now it's the time. Why? I just finished the 110-part series exploring every pricing game from The Price is Right. Jordan, if they added in their pricing game, don't edit it to say 111 parts. I don't want to look stupid. Uh, so we are talking about the game show that was revolutionary in the world of game shows. We're talking about the game show of game shows. We are talking about if someone says, name a game show, this would probably be one of the first ones to come up, even if they don't know the name of the show. Why? Because they know some aspect about it. They will say the come on down phrase at the start of the show. Or they will know about Plinko. But most likely they will know its name. The Price is Right. So let's take a journey through the history of Price is Right. The original version from 1956 to 1965 was hosted by Bill Cullen. We did an episode on that really early on with my friend Max Mayer. And this was one of the most fun shows we ever talked about. So the entire early history of Price is Right has already been discussed. However, this version, the Bob Barker, Drew Carey, CBS Air, or if you want to go into like Dennis James, if you want, you can go there too. You want to talk about the 1994 new Price is Right? Absolutely. We're going to be going through all of those editions, and then some. So we got to go into this. The original Price is Right with Bill Cullen came to an end, and essentially the format was kind of just left around. So Mark Goodson, Bill Todman Productions, wanted to bring back Price is Right in some flashy new form. So they pitched the new Price is Right. With their first original idea for host, Dennis James. Because Dennis James was filling in for Monty Hall on Let's Make a Deal. A game show that's all about different deal making and different variety of challenges and games. And he would host the syndicated version of the weekly Price is Right show. But the one that people most likely know is the ones from CBS. So, for the sake of being easy for the... Uh, audience at home yes there was a syndicated version of the price is right 72 and 77 dennis james hosted it in 77 80 bob barker hosted a weekly syndicated version 85 to 86 tom kennedy hosted a, a daily series known as the nighttime price is right and in 1994 they brought in as the new price is right with doug davidson for this episode of game shows i suppose we're going to be talking about cbs's hour-long and half-hour original 
Price is Right. We're also going to be talking about the new Price is Right, Drew Carey's Price is Right, various Price is Rights from around the world, and a big final conclusion about the show, and how this really is game shows incarnate. In the original version of The Price is Right, there would be fabulous prizes, and then four contestants would have to do in an auction format, uh, try and bid on how much they think the actual retail price of a certain prize is. That was the original version. In The New Price is Right, which would become The Price is Right of Normal, that just becomes the single qualifying round to get into the pricing games on stage. Once you go on the pricing games on stage, there will be some sort of outcome to bring you to the showcase where you can win one fabulous prize or a collection of fabulous prizes. It's just, it's a giant ass prize package. Anyway, so as we start the show, everyone is, seat, is, is out in front of CBS television sitting in Hollywood. They're waiting at the loading docks. The producers are eyeing all of these people, auditioning, if they will. Like, hey, how's it going? And they're getting their old, iconic, big old name tags. These name tags have pretty much never really changed in the course of its 40-year history. In the original version of the show, they would call the name and tell you to stand up, please. And then they would continue that and then stand up and come on down because you are the first four contestants on the prices, right? But of course, nowadays, it is the most energetic game show known to man. People from all walks of life are sitting in the crowd, college students, military veterans, families, best friends who haven't seen each other for decades, all showing up to this weird game show set. And they're all applauding and in hoo-hahs and woo-woos. And the cameras start rolling and you hear the announcer. And here it comes from the Bob Barker studio at CBS Television City in Hollywood. It's the fantastic hour of fabulous prizes. The 60-minute Price is Right. Name. Come on down. Name. Come on down name come on down and name come on down you are the first four contestants on the price is right and now here's the star of the price is right drew carey or bob barker picker picker host then the host enters through one of those magical doors Behind those doors are fabulous prizes and games to win those fabulous prizes. In normal episodes, the host will enter through the door on the furthest left, walk on forward, be presented that famous little stick microphone, kind of cool, by one of the fabulous models, and welcome you to The Price is Right. And then everyone keeps hooting and hollering, and then, hey, look over there, it's our announcer. And then, you know, if it's George Gray... Hey, Drew. Hey, everyone. Hey, Mama May. And we say hello to all four contestants on Contestants Row because we picked four contestants. Contestants Row is actually known as the one bid round. In one bid, it plays exactly like the original version on the prices right back in the early, early days of the 50s. There'll be one item up for bids. And it's always something very practical, a nice appliance, washer and dryers. It's a great prize. 
that prize goes to one of the four contestants that bids closest to the actual retail price suggested by the manufacturers without going over. I have to say suggested by the manufacturers because, you know, like you're, you're going to go to like what? Uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos is going to cut all the money off or you're going to go to Sears and you're going to jack the price up. This is what the manufacturer suggested retail price is. So whoever's one of the four that bids closest without going over wins the prize. We go to the person in furthest to the left at the start of the game, but it will change depending on who wins. So first picked gets to bid first. And you might hear like $1,000 or $800 or $1,500. Sometimes there's a bidding war. Uh, in a bidding war, well, someone says like 1200 and then person next to it, 1201 Those people are what we call in the, in the wonderful world of game shows, assholes. Don't be an asshole. I get it, strategy and all that, but don't be a fucking asshole. Don't, don't do that. Of course, there's another strategy which everyone has loved to do during the one bid rounds on The Price is Right. When they're in contestants row and they notice that everyone's bidding way too high and they're saying like $15,000, $6,000, and $3,200, suddenly that fourth position chair notices everyone's a little too high and it's without going over so they're going to take no chance and say the infamous line one dollar as everyone's bids have been displayed on the little video monitor uh the host in this case drew opens up the tag reveals the actual retail price and then whoever is literally closest without going over wins the prize and then goes up to the stage to hug Drew and get to play a, a pricing game. Of course, I should also go through some more rules here. In the event that all four people have bid over, that's considered an overbid, you'll hear an ah, 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 and then they have to erase all the bids and are told what was the lowest bid on offer. Please bid less than that. It's less than $1,000 and move on from there. Other other thing you might know is what if you you bid exactly the price you said six hundred dollars and it is six hundred dollars well you say six hundred dingy 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 ding ding that means that one of you bid exactly right and will get a cash bonus these cash bonuses fluctuate so i don't i can't tell you what the cash bonus is at any given time i think right now it is five hundred dollars Though I think they could have made it a thousand on a lot of primetime specials, so I don't know. Uh, Drew's favorite thing is to say every, it's five of America's favorite president, Benjamin Franklin. That's usually his little bit. Because uh, fun fact, Drew Carey, uh, as, as he loves U.S. history, is a big fan of you know all uh, founding of America, and he reads up on Benjamin Franklin, so he's in on that joke a lot. So. Uh, whoever is close out going over wins. And yes, if you're in the contestants row, you can bid anything as long as it's a whole dollar. You can't just say like $49 and 36 cents. You can't, you can't just say that you gotta say the full 50 bucks, but some people like to do the tee hee hoo hoos and be the funny man 
don't don't you love to see the funny people on the prices right and they say the 420 drew like the weed number you guys like the weed number for for 20 drew <laughs> or 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 69 drew because <laughs> it's, it's sex sex in the weed <laughs> basically what i'm saying is if you ever work on the prices right people like to be funny and bid that over and over again to the point where the joke goes real stale it's funny when it's like once in a while andrew's in on it but when it's just like 420 420 420 420 it it just runs its course also you can bid 666 for instance uh they kind of much like on jeopardy I don't want you doing those kind of wink and nudge uh, bids. Yeah, so maybe next time don't try and bid 1488. You fucking racist. I'm on to you and your shit. Think you're so fucking funny with your racism? How about you get the fuck out of the Bob Barker studio and maybe someone who actually wants to win something on the show uh, take your seat? Just, just throwing that out there. Anyway, so someone wins a grabulous prize. They bid like twelve hundred bucks. It was thirteen hundred dollars. That's close enough. Go up on stage, and hey, what can they win behind those doors? And of course, you will be here in the prize description, and then you will get to see one of the fabulous pricing games be played. This would normally be the part where I would explain pricing games, but I should now tell everybody right now. I spent two fucking years of my life covering every pricing game from The Price is Right. If you want me talking about Plinko, I have. Pay the rent, I have. I've talked about Gridlock. I've talked about Double Cross, Hot Seat, Side by Side, Coming or Going, Plinko. Hey, you want Plinko? I'll still talk about Plinko. I talked about Punch-A-Bunch. I have talked about Shell Game. I've talked about bonus game. I've talked about one wrong price, one right price. I've even talked about professor price. You want me to talk about shower game? I have. Or telephone game? I have. Not to be confused with the phone home game, which was a weird challenge. You want to talk about bullseye? Are you talking about bullseye one where they had seven chances? Or do you want to talk about the new bullseye where they get between 10 to $12 of grocery items? Or maybe you want to talk about balance game, the original one with the Barker dollars and the double digit prices? Or do you want to talk about the new balance game where there's big bags of money and they have to pick two of the three that balances to the price of the prize? Which one do you want me to talk about? Which of the many, many pricing games do you want me to talk about? Because I fucking talked about them all. All of them. Bump with the little London double-decker buses. I have done that. Or maybe, or maybe you want me to talk about uh, something like Master Key or Check Game or Money Game or Split Decision or Punkers. The list goes on and on. However, in lieu of talking about every pricing game from the prices right right now, I will now say that almost every episode of The Price is Right has a certain scheduling of games. There are six pricing games played per episode of The Price is Right. Originally, it was three. We're in an hour-long game show format. Of the six, two of the six games will be played for a brand new car, one in each half. Got it? So follow any of the pricing games I brought up in the history of The Pricing Game Spotlight one of those games will be played for a car. So rather that is 
dice game or 10 chances, it's it's up to whoever is scheduling the pricing games. So you're guaranteed a one in three shot, two out of six, to be playing for a car. Of the six pricing games on offer on the prices right today, one of those six games must offer cash. This means a cash game. So that could be Plinko. That could be Grand Game. That could be Time is Money. And of the six pricing games, one has to involve grocery items in some capacity, such as Grocery Game or Checkout. So those games will be played in some capacity, or Bullseye for that really matter. So now that we have gone through that, we've gone through some of those rules. One of the six games must also be an AB game. Why? Because it's really quick to explain. An AB game is a choice between two choices. You gotta decide. And sometimes ABC works too, as long as it's faster. So for instance, side by side, is it left or right? A one right price, which of these two is the correct switch? Do you want to switch these two, yes or no? Uh, there, There is uh, coming or going. Flip-flop. Uh, th- those are all little quick, easy-going games that are usually made to because they have to double up in some capacity. Because of timing and because of modern-day uh, game show constrictions in time, they do two pricing games in one act. So you're going to see someone come on down, Here's the next pricing game. We do the next game. Rinse, repeat. See you after the commercial break. So you got that down? I hope I didn't confuse you. There are six pricing games on offer per episode. Two are car. One in act one. Well, one in one half. One in the other half. Of those six pricing games, one has to involve grocery items in some capacity. Checkout, grocery game, you, you name it. Uh, one has to involve cash in some capacity and one has to be an a b game so of all those pricing games come up with your own dream list maybe you want to do rat race like me maybe you want to do hot seat because there's a cash prize involved on that and yes and yes you can always stack them up when i say a cash game and a grocery game you can pair them both together. That's pay the rent. That is uh, time is money. That's grocery items plus cash. If you want to do a card game with a grocery game, that's hole in one or two. Typically, that's played for a brand new car. Or stack the deck, for instance, is also a game play with grocery items for a chance to win a car. You can even do an AB game for a car, but why would you blow the budget on an easy 50-50 chance? So while it follows all of those rules, one game is playing for cash, one game is a grocery game, one's an AB game, and two games are cars, timing is also important. You can't just play cover-up for a car, and then like next you have to play, for instance, uh, One Away, which is also a car game with prices in the same act. You can do One Away at the second half, but not in the first act. You also got to be worried of time. A lot of games eat up a lot of time, especially games involving double-digit prices. Because when you're hearing a double-digit price, odds are it's an ad read. So you have to be worried about the amount of prizes involved, the rules explanation, if there's multiple rounds of play, 
and that means the game could take anywhere from say a minute to six minutes five minutes maybe i should say five to six minutes uh so so it becomes a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle at the per, at the price of the right production office over what game should be played when and yes it really is a jigsaw puzzle because they're not thinking just today's game they're thinking the whole week of shows so in their mind we can't do Plinko right now. We did Plinko on Monday. Well, would it be great to do Friday with pay to rent? Well, it's a Thursday show, so we can maybe trim the budget a little. That's usually in the heads on the prices right. And sometimes they really want to create new pricing games because that's flashy. If they create a new pricing game, well, that will drag in people. Come check out the new pricing game on the prices right. We think you'll love it. It's called Vendo Price. And then you're like, well, what's Vendo Price? Which how many of these items is is the most expensive? Three of the most expensive item, five of the middling amount, or nine of the least expensive item? Or games like cliffhangers, the yodely guy game, as some people like to call it, where you have to where you have to make a guess on how much something costs. It's a double digit price, and for every dollar you're off by, a little mountain climber goes up the mountain, and if it goes past twenty five, it crashes and burns, and you lose the big prize. The big prices, yeah, they might not be new cars all the time, but sometimes they're fabulous vacations worth nineteen thousand dollars, or eighteen thousand, or twelve thousand, or ten thousand, or nine thousand, or seven thousand. The prices, it doesn't matter. They're fabulous prices. I don't want to say what prices these things are. I want to talk about the variety of games in these pricing games. That's what makes this show so appealing. Is that if, even though I basically broke down the game minusculely by talking about grocery items and, and car games. Going through each of those pricing games, each has its own background story, each has its own focus, and almost has its own appeal. Half Off is played for $10,000, which is less than, say, playing It's in the Bag, where you can get $16,000, which is somewhere less than Grand Game, which is also played for $10,000, sometimes $20,000. That people kind of go with which game is best, where should we play this, and it becomes a big confusing uh, block. But everything is usually in its place when it comes to a pricing game. They play three pricing games per half, but it's a rinse-repeat format. We have our four contestants on Contestants Row. One come up on stage, leaving three. Let's bring in a new contestant. Hey, George Gray, who's coming up? So-and-so, come on down. You're the next contestant on The Price is Right. They come on down to the stage. They're at the contestant's row with the other three players. We're back to four. Here's a new item up for bids. In Act 2, it's a fabulous bloop-a-boo. And now whoever was the first to get called on, the, the latest to be called down, is now first to make the bid. So that means you could have been in third position and be called, that means whoever's in fourth position goes second. It's all played in a fun turn order. So position sometimes matters. That means if you're called down, if you're the person who, who is told to, to go, up, go up on stage, if you're that player, there is your little sound advice, price is right strategy, folks. Be the player on the right when you're facing Drew or left if you're on TV view which means if you are the red player uh, being called on down, 
make sure you're player in position four. If you if player two won, make sure in position one. Player three wins position two. Player four position three. Why is that? Because you will be going last in the bids, and therefore you can do the one dollar asshole bid. Because I know a lot of you want to do that, or everyone overbid one dollar drew. There's your sound strategy for the Price is Right. Jordan's facts about Price is Right. So after a uh, second person comes on down, one of the f- those four comes up on stage to play one of those pricing games I just brought up. Oh, now we're down to three again. Hey, George, we need another player. So-and-so, come on down. And we continue the process one last time in the first half of the show. We got our three players. They've come up on stage and either they've won their challenge and do 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 do, or of course they lost, which means they get to hear those iconic. Oh yes, the losing horns, or as many people on the internet call it, the fail horns. Cause epic fail. Uh, so you win, you win the prize, you lose, you hear that annoying sound effect, but it's okay because no matter what happens, winning or losing, you get to spin the big wheel right after this. Of course, there's commercials. It's The Price is Right. It's a game show about like buying shit. So of course, you're going to have commercials being told to buy shit. Anyway, we go to the big wheel. This is one of the more iconic parts of The Price is Right, probably more so than Contestants Row, or even Plinko for that matter. People love to call it the Big Wheel, but its official name, just like how one bid for Contestants Row, the Big Wheel is called the Showcase Showdown. So say it with me, folks, the Showcase Showdown. The Big Wheel is the Showcase Showdown, not the thing at the end. Showcase Showdown is the Big Wheel Showdown to see who goes to the Showcase. Showcase is the final round. We're, we're getting to that. I'm trying to go by an act-to-act basis. All right, so Big Wheel is very important because it's basically a new luck-based thing to try and see who can go into the showcase at the end of the show. Originally, when The Price was Right aired in 1972, they didn't have the Big Wheel. It wasn't an hour long. It was a half-hour show. So what they did in its place was they just took the top two winners from from those three games and they put them into the showcase and that was it there was no big wheel so theoretically someone could have ended up with bad luck and played for a prize that was less expensive than the other two pricing games combined and just couldn't ever make it to the showcase even if someone failed so a cool thing that they kept in even though you know top two winners would advance to the showcase is now whoever got the most money would go spin third, whereas, you know, whoever got the second most amount of money, merchandise, and cash goes second, and whoever got the least will spin first on the big wheel in the showcase showdown. Being last in this game show has its advantages if you figured it out, much like on, say, Press Your Luck. There are 20 wedges on the wheel, and it's a really, really big wheel, a very heavy wheel, mine, I say ranging from five cents to a full dollar. Much like a game of blackjack, the object is to get closest to the target without going over. In the case of The Price is Right, it's closest to one dollar without going over. Now, you can do this with one spin or a combination of two spins, but you gotta be careful on that second spin because like I just said, it's closest to a dollar without going over. So if you take that spin and you roll a dollar or 95, well, 
most likely you have gone over and therefore will be eliminated from the game. Whoever is the one player to get closest to the dollar without going over will advance to the final round, the showcase. This is the fun part of the show where the contestant gets to spin the wheel. Boop, 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 boop. And then Drew says, is there anybody want to say hi to? And this is the part where you say like, hi, mom. Hi, friends. Hi, family. Hi, everyone at the college I go to. All right, let's see. You got 55. What would you like to do? That's right in the middle. Spin or stay. You want to, okay, you're going to spin again. Here we go. Boop, 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 30. That brings your total to 85. Go stand over there. So they get to stand right at the camera right. A little screen displays the 85 cents. Ding. All right, player two, give that wheel a big spin. Beep, 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 beep. Anybody you want to say hi to? And you continue from there. Oh, you got 80 cents. You need to spin again to beat 85. Here we go. Beep, 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 40. You hear that weird foghorn that, like, makes your ears bleed because you went over a dollar. You're dollar 20. Oh, that's over. I'm so sorry. But you won that fabulous trip. Go over there. Now we go to the person in third position. Beep, 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 beep. One dollar. Ding, ding. Do, 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 do. Because they hit the dollar. Not only are they advancing to the showcase round, but they just got a bonus of $1,000. Now, normally, if this was any other version of the Price is Right internationally, like Bruce's Price is Right, we would just call it a day. But this is the Price is Right American version, and Big Bucks is back. Because they hit a dollar on that spin, they get to take one final bonus spin. One chance at this. Because of the layout of the spin, if they can uh, spin the wheel one more time and it lands on the dollar one more time, they will get $25,000. Ooh. If they are one away on either the 5 or the 15, which are marked in green, they'll get $10,000. Ooh. Making $26,000 in cash total. Of course, in the original version on the prices, right when they did the big spin, it was $5,000 and $10,000 for a dollar, making it $11,000. I, I, I love when Bob Barker did the, uh, the, the explain the bonus spin. Because for some reason, Bob Barker always sounded like he, he was like in incredible pain as he read it. I, I don't want to go into like making fun of Bob Barker or Drew Carey at the moment because they're both prestigious game show hosts. But for me, it was like Bob Barker, when he says the bonus price, it's like, it's a bonus spin for $11,000. And you're just like, are you okay, Bob? Are you fine? Do you need help? Need some pain cream? I saw the pain cream in the grocery game. Maybe you need some? Now, obviously, this is where I say it has an advantage of going last. Imagine you rolled 30 on your first spin. You're in position one. You spin again, and you hit 80. You're over. You're out. Player two, you got 60. You want to spin? I, I got to go on one more time. 50. That's $1.10. You're out. Player three, who got the most money, will only get one spin on the wheel. There's no combination of two for them, but they want to give them one roll just to see 
if they can spend that dollar to get the bonus thousand. Otherwise, they just call it a day. You're moving on to the showcase. Why? Because we're not going to redo this at all. You got the advantage. Go with it. Go to the showcase, my friend. And then we go to our halfway point. We're at the half. It's like the half. It's like the halftime at the Super Bowl. We went through the first half of the game. We had lots of fun. Fabulous prizes were won or lost. We saw a, a, a wonderful grill, outdoor grill. Hey, who can't forget about Devin in a bathing suit next to a hot tub? Wasn't that cool? Or Rachel Reynolds uh, trying to demonstrate smartphones. Always a delight. We get to do it again now. So the three players that didn't get called up on stage are still there present. And they have three last chances at this. As the fourth contestant comes on down and we start the second act. And yes, there's another item up for bids on contestants row. Here it is. All right, which one? How much you want to bid? Get close to a dollar. Go going over. All right, here's the pricing game. Pick pricing game. I've already said them all. Uh, this time we're going to be playing. Uh, uh, let's see here. We'll we'll, we'll be playing. We did a price, so we can't do a grocery item game. Let's. Uh, you know what? Let's do. Uh, pick a number. It's the hundred spot. Is it seventy four, seventy six, or seventy eight? If you get it right, you get the trip to Belize. All right, that's that's your. There you go. We're 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 fixed. By the way, uh, I should point this out here because this is the perfect time to say it. Pick a number is usually the go-to game on the prices right when something malfunctions, shall we say? So a TV screen doesn't work, switcheroo can't work. Uh, maybe the maybe the uh, maybe the uh, the Yoli guy had to had to go on on uh, a leave of absence. They would pick the pick a number game in its place. So if you're wondering why you keep seeing pick a price or one right price, it's because those are easy enough to just pick up. They already have the numbers on standby. Just put them in the slot. Call it a day. Once again, what can you win? It's a new car. All right. Or it's a trip to China. Or it's a sauna. And a BMX bike. So you'll be playing clock game. There, you just pick your games. I'm just throwing out as many as I can think of at this time. We go through our three, and of course, they have three more contestants who have come up on stage to play pricing games. Meaning that at the end of this half, there are three players stuck on contestants' row. Sometimes there are people who have been called up at the very start of the show and just blew it. Chance one went under. Chance two went over. Chance three did the 420 haha joke. Second half, I uh, started to get frustrated. Does the one dollar over the first player? Not good enough. Second time, does one dollar? Apparently, someone actually went over and matched it perfectly. And this time, oh, um,. They just kind of just fizzled out and just thought that maybe the brand new uh, MacBook Pro was $200, thinking it was a Chromebook, maybe. As we have our three contestants at the showcase showdown wheel to see who goes on to the showcase to meet with the person from, act, from the first half of the show, 
there are three players on contestants row who haven't got called up on stage originally contestants not appearing on stage will get steak knives and this and supply this but now the consolation prize is three hundred dollars which honestly not that bad i mean you get called up on stage you might not be a contestant prize right but you got 300 bucks for your day i mean that that's not that bad for just saying a couple numbers and sitting on stage with a shirt that says i love you drew on it so we go to the big wheel again spin the wheel boop 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 okay that's 80 cents go over there you're only spinning once next spin spin and we keep going now i should now go into the hosting versions of the show Bob Barker's version of hosting always stems to the big wheel. I, I'm i not saying I'm the best impressionist in the world, or even a good impressionist in general, but for Bob Barker hosting, it was almost like a sports commentator vibe. Uh, so for, for him, a lot of his hosting was basically like recapping what happened on the prices right with the contestants. So it's like, Trevor is spinning the wheel. Trevor won a trip to Hawaii playing. It's it. Playing <laughs> squeeze play. It's making its way down to 20 cents. Spin again. This is Crystal. Crystal is studying communications at UC Santa Barbara. Crystal is spinning, it's spinning, it's making its way around, and oh, it didn't go all the way around once, so. See, a lot of people, the, the rule is you have to spin once around or else it doesn't count. So so a lot of people, it's because it's too heavy. Uh, they try their effort and it's not good enough. So sometimes a lot of elderly people or people who, who obviously aren't as uh, strong shall we say, spin the wheel, and it gets close to like one full rotation, but not good enough. So the audience decides to shit all over them and go, boo, boo, you can't spin the wheel, boo. And I don't give them crap. It's a big, heavy wheel. Seriously, I'm not saying that just because I couldn't make it full rotation. <laughs> I wanted to spin it around. All right, so the... uh so then, you know, Bob will keep going like, this is, this is Lisa. Lisa won a new car today, playing 10 chances, and is getting a dollar. She's won a dollar. That's a thousand dollars. She gets to spin again to win a <laughs> That's how Bob Barker would do energy. Drew, on the other hand, when he did the big wheel, because I always like to look at how he does it, he plays it by ear most of the time. He, uh, I think he he treats it the same way he, I I will actually say how he probably treats regular people in real life. Like I don't think I think what you see with Drew on the wheel is exactly what you get if you ran into him on the street, because he's like, come here, buddy, whatever here, give the give wheel spin, go on. All right, get that spin. Want to get that thousand bucks? Anybody want to say hi to? Uh, my mom. Hi, mom. You know we love our mom. Okay, let's see where we got. We got to forty cents. Well, that's 
What do you want to do with that 40 cents? Yeah, spin, I, I agree. All right, that was just gross. <laughs> anyway, we're trying to get a 60 there on the wheel. Come on, 60. <laughs> that's how Drew would host it. Oh, no, that was four, that's 40 cents again. No, that's 80. Go over there. All right, come on. Come on up here. <laughs> and then he would just do his tr- trademark laugh like, <laughs> as someone saying, like, I want to give a shout out to all my friends at this fraternity. And then, like, their slogan, laugh. Or if it's a military vet, like, oh, cool, Betty. What's like, what's what coming out there? Because he has to be Drew Carey. He's comedian Drew Carey. So he does the who do you want to say hi to? And then the second spin, if there is one, he just talks like normal or just doesn't say anything. All right, let's let's see if there's. 15 cents you need 15 come on 15 ah darn it just look how close that was ah buddy so close i'm so sorry but hey you got some cool prizes go over there and that's how drew would usually do it he he kind of plays it kind i I like to hate to say he plays it like a guy who's fascinated by it the entire time like this is his first time ever seeing the big wheel get spun but that's almost the way he hosts it I kind of like to see it as like I hate to say like a kid like a baby who's seen the shiny spoon. It's like ooh shiny, but that's how I think Drew is. It's that ooh shiny mixed with like I know I'm a game show host. I know like everyone always wants to say hi to someone that they love at home, so I'm just gonna just give you the microphone and let you just have have a few minutes because we're really just doing dead air here as we wait for this wheel to stop. So uh, hey, what are you studying? <laughs> and then sometimes that does happen on the Price Is Right when someone gets called up on stage. So, like, for I, for instance, if Bob Barker has a contestant calling up on stage, oh, uh, looks like you're a military man. Where are you stationed? Oh, that's wonderful. Let's see where we're getting to this red-blooded American today. It's a new car. And always it's a domestic car because America, we're not giving away a Jaguar. That's a communist car versus Andrew Carey, where it's, hey, buddy, where are you from? Where are you from? Uh, we're from Woodland Hills. Woodland Hills? Like, that's down the street. So what, a, what are they going to win going all the way from Woodland Hills? How about a new car? It's a Kia Sorento. LX comes with floor mats, automatic heat lamps, fog lamps, uh, 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 fog uh, lamps, a uh, uh, water heater, uh and uh on star for two years back to you drew <laughs> let's come up with all the optional features off the top of my head i'm not an improviser for cars what do i i'm not working at a car dealership why would i know automated things it's my last day i don't look if you can't figure it out i'm really just just playing this by ear <laughs> even though it's my favorite game shows so now we have our two winners there are two winners in the showcase and they get to see great prizes. Whoever was the top winner of those two, as in they won the most cash and prizes, and because of that big wheel, that couldn't really sway it one way or the other, will get to decide if they want to bid on the first showcase or pass it to their opponent in the hopes that they get a much better showcase. Now, some of the time, this is themed around something like, 
Hey, uh, James O'Halloran, this is your live. Did you know James is from Australia? Here's some trip to Australia. In his spare time, he loves to go surfing. Look at these big longboard surfboards. And when he loves, one of his biggest hobbies is to cruise down PCH in Los Angeles, and you can do that in this new PT Cruiser. Do they still make PT Cruisers? It's the pair of surfboards, a trip to Australia, and a PT Cruiser, and it's only yours if the price is right. So now that person in first position just saw three fabulous prizes, and they have to give the combined total of all three. They have to make sure there's a price on each of those three, combine them all, and come up with a price. Or they can just say, uh, I don't know, pass. And then person and player in the second position has to make that decision of what they want to do with that prize. Other times, it really is just kind of like, uh, well, we kind of don't know what we're doing here. So uh, here at The Price is Right, we have things that we kind of found lying around the studio here. So uh, over here, we have a fabulous laptop computers. That's right, a pair of Apple MacBook Pro computers. And we're also including security software. And um, what's over here? Uh, just electric bicycle. It's not really a moped, not really a motorcycle. It's kind of just a bicycle with electric motor attached to it. Room, room. And over here, here it is, a really big party boat. It's the big party boat. It can seat 20. Hope you know. I hope you have like a boating license and hope you know like how to swim if it sinks. This showcase featuring things like a computer, um, electric bicycle, and a party boat can be yours if the price is right. They make the bid. And then it's like, hey, it's I'm going to go $35,000. All right. So thirty five thousand here, you said twenty seven thousand six six six. Trying to be funny. We'll find out who wins what right after this. We cut to a big old commercial break. It's gonna be one of the most anguish angu anguish most strenuous three minutes of your life. Why? Cause you have to suffer through what's coming up tonight on CBS. Is this an all new NCIS? Is this an all-new little Sheldon? Young Sheldon? Is this going to be Survivor? Millennials versus Gen X versus Helpers versus Healers versus All-Stars Battle Royale? Or is this finally the newest season of The Amazing Race? Or did they just say, no, no, thank you? I, I don't know. It's November. I assume it's the fall lineup and they're already canceled three sitcoms. Drew then gets to read off the showcase again, and it's like, all right, let's go over here with you first. You had the uh, laptop computer, you had the party vote, and you had the electric bicycle, 35000 actual retail price, $48,611, a difference of 13611 Whoa. All right, we go over to her, this little lady here. The PT Cruiser, the trip to Australia, and the surfboards, 27000 
350 and the actual retail price is 22,111. You overbid. Therefore, by default, player two wins all those prizes. You win the party boat. And so we end the show that way. Now, this is where the casting really helps because typically what the Price is Right casting people do, don't tell anybody, do not look. If the Price is Right people find out about this, my goose is cooked, all right? George Gray will come at me swinging with a mace. Drew Carey will start zapping me with a taser. I, the secret to being a contestant on the Price is Right, besides high energy and being enthusiastic, keep in mind, I'm not a, I've never been a contestant on the Price is Right, is you have to go up with a big group of people. It really helps to go with a group of maybe 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 people. Odds are one of those 12 will be in the group, and if they make it all the way to the final round in that showcase and they win, they really want all 12 of you to just run up on stage and make it a big old party because your friend won. So uh, really think about that. Otherwise, you would end up being a lonely guy with no friends like me. Who, if I won the prices right, I'd just be standing there awkwardly waving to the camera while, like, the three models, Drew and George Gray, just wave back. And that's the show. <laughs> now, of course, uh, depending on which version of the showcase you're talking about, the prices could have been just a car. It could have been two cars. It could have been different things here and there. Depends on each decade. I'm not going to dissect the history of showcases or the history of the carnival big wheel. I don't, or the color of the spin or the little, uh, the little flower, the Goodson Todman uh, feather, feather, it's a flower. The little pinwheel looking thing, the little uh, asterisk to mark that you signaled a bid. We're not, we're not going to deal with that. I don't want to deal with that. Because uh, the history of the showcases haven't really changed that much. It's always been really cool prizes. It's always been like if you want to showcase on the prices, right? You have won the standard fare of game show prizes, but it's also big time prizes. Because typically on a game show, you win one of those. Here you're winning three great prizes or four great prizes or two cars. It really doesn't matter. But sometimes they have a theme, like this is all things that are environmentally friendly. Uh, this is all things that will take you back to the 90s. This is all things that you can find around the house. And then you see all this furniture, living room furniture, a new kitchen, a new bedroom, a new dining set. And you're just going, oh, no. That has become an ongoing joke on the prices, right? The nothing but furniture showcase. It's been a thing in, in the 80s of Bob Barker and sometimes in Drew Carey's era. Why? Because, well, that's kind of prizes that you typically see. And also, it's kind of expected given who are the contestants on the show. There are a lot of first-time home buyers and a lot of college students. And people give like a really hard time for the showcases for some reason, because they're sketches or whatever, but they did that in the Barker era, and they did that at the start of the Drew Carey era, and it looks like they what they did now is that they decided to just make a celebrity cameo talking about their favorite things, and hey, that works, 
And then you'll have that iconic catchphrase at the end, the little closeout, uh, help control the pet population, have your pet spayed or neutered. This was because Bob Barker was a big animal rights activist, and he used to volunteer a lot at pet shelters and wanted to make sure every single animal, whether it was a little cute dog or a little cat, went to a home. And, and a lot of times when The Price is Right, he would bring in some of these pets on stage and try and get them a, a nice home. And sometimes people actually would pick up the, the animal right then there on the show. Uh, it made no it made no difference if they got called up on stage or not. But hey, you know, some animals got, were rescued. They were rescue dogs, and I thought that's actually really good. Uh, now we get to dissect the two versions of the Price Is Right. So Bob Barker uh, era is very it it stems from his background. Uh, if people may not know this, but uh, Bob Barker was doing radio for the military back in the day. And as he was doing radio broadcasting, he got the call to do radio outside of that. And one of his first gigs in TV was True for Consequences. Uh, and True for Consequences was, of course, one of the iconic game shows of all time. He was the replacement host on True for Consequences. And Bob Barker would, of course, end up having The Price is Right and become the face of Price is Right for 30-so years. And he would celebrate the armed forces, and he was basically the classic Americana game show host. He knew if you were doing The Price is Right, you are selling Americana. So we are selling apple pie and Chevrolet, uh, the American flag, patriotism. So rarely did he ever try and sell any foreign cars on the price of right. There was never really like, let's try and get a Ferrari on the show. It was always going to be local American-made cars from Detroit. We got to help the Motor City out. And later, he would uh, forbid the use of fur coats and mink coats as prizes on the prices right because of his love of animal rights. And, you know, fur is murder. So much so that Bob was really against airing old episodes of The Price is Right that had that because it, in his mind, it ruined his image as a lover of animal rights and then, oh, we're giving away a fur coat when it wasn't his call back in the day. Of course, and I'm just going to assume this, this is a Jordan Haas game show assumption, because of Bob Barker's uh, limitation on fur coats on the price is right over the decades and the increase uh labor practices that go into making fur coats it never really returned as a modern day game show prize like in any other game show i don't see it on the on press your luck i don't see it given away on let's make a deal so i can only assume that m most people don't want a fur coat these days and I like to think that's partially because of Bob Barker. Barker is that persona of red-blooded American, and he's, I would say he wants that macho dude atmosphere. He, he knows how to do some martial arts, too. He got trained by that from Chuck Norris. And I'm not trying to do that to do the Chuck Norris joke that the internet seems to love so very much. Ha ha ha. When Barker announced his retirement, uh, that was a big deal. 
It really brought a shock to the entire world of television, especially daytime TV, because when you think game shows, you think either Wheel of Fortune, Jeopardy, or you think the daytime game show, The Price is Right, because for so many people, that is associated with you are a kid at school and you got sick but your parents have to work, so you're stuck at home, and that's on TV right now. And it's fun because you're seeing contestants win prizes and they're screaming, and there's new episodes every day. They were doing all sorts of auditions to who would be the hosts of The Price is Right to, to fill in the shoes of the legendary Bob Barker. And almost anyone you can ever think of in the world of game shows auditioned. Mark Summers, Todd Newton, uh, Rosie O'Donnell... And ultimately, CBS decided to make the call to be Drew Carey. Not because he really auditioned for the show, but because at the same time, Power of Ten made its debut on CBS, a game show where contestants have to figure out how America thought about hot-blooded political issues to win up to $10 million. Now we go into the Drew Carey years. Drew Carey, legendary uh, stand-up comedian, uh, you might know his full resume by now. Uh, worked was a former Marine. While in the Marine Corps, he would tell jokes. Some of his fellow cadets would say, "Hey, after you leave service, you should get into stand-up comedy for, for real." And he did. He did a few open mic acts, and he didn't really bomb, as it turned out. Much like Bob Barker, Drew was entertaining the troops even at an earlier age. Uh, so. As he did stand-up comedy, he did very well for himself. And for Drew, this was kind of like a good mission because for him, he did stand-up comedy not because, oh, I love to tell jokes, this is funny, but because at the time, he was kind of having a quarter-life crisis. Like, he was in his early 20s, and he didn't really know what to be or what to do, and he thought stand-up comedy was a way to lash it out. His stand-up comedy will lead to a few stand-up comedy specials. With his iconic look of the little thick-frimmed glasses and the high-and-tight haircut, because he wore those in regulation in the Marine Corps, he had this look that basically showed him to be this, like, dorky Marine Corps guy. The Drew you got back in the day is almost like what you see with Drew now. Most of his stand-up jokes were about work, or about life, or about government. He would poke fun at the fact he worked in the military, yet was a registered libertarian who distrusts the government, but at the same time would make jokes about the 9-to-5 workforce and how the bosses are no different than (laughs) the government. So even though he's a registered libertarian and makes jokes about tax dollars, he's also kind of like your basic leftist uh, talking about how your boss is not your friend. It would be the stand-up comedy acts that he would do in his stand-up act that would develop into the sitcom The Drew Carey Show on ABC. Uh, In that show, he plays a cubicle dweller working at a department store trying to fight the secretary and the evil boss while still trying to maintain a normal life and try to start his own small business in the form of Buzz Beer. With his friends, one that works at the Postal Service and the other that works as a custodian at a laboratory. While trying to find love and romance and all the stuff that you know from modern day sitcoms. 
this would be a really big hit for ABC. As basically, Drew Carey made a much better Dilbert than Dilbert. Shut up, Scott Adams. Anyway, so, uh, because of the success of uh, Drew Carey's show, whose line is it anyway fell on his desk? Whose line is it anyway is the improvisational game show uh, hosted by Clive Anderson in the UK, and they adapted it to the US. This is because Drew Carey, as an advocate for comedy, and while doing stand-up, would do improvisation at the same time. He learned that improvisational comedy is actually very interesting, and he wanted to make sure Who's Landis Anyway would be enjoyable to audiences around America. And obviously, with lots of improvisational classes all across the, the country, from your UCBs to your groundlings to your second cities, clearly that worked. Eventually, Drew Carey would use that improvisation to do things like a stand-up comedy special, an uh, improvisational pay-per-view that aired immediately after a WWF Royal Rumble pay-per-view event, and two improvisational TV shows. One was the green screen show on the WB slash CW, and the other was Drew Carey's Improvaganza, which aired on the Game Show Network. Eventually, though, Drew Carey was fizzling out, and you don't blame Drew. He's just going to be the improv guy for the rest of his life. I don't know, really. I don't really want to stand up. So he had his essentially midlife crisis at this point. In his midlife crisis, he no longer did stand-up comedy. Sometimes he did vlogs. He was sometimes online. But most of the time, his career was now about doing photography. Photography for the sport of soccer, also known as football around the world. So he took photos of Premier League games. He took MLS photos. He took photos of any event you can think of, from the FIFA World Cup to Arsenal games to whatever is going on in Australia. He was a keen photographer for sports and was actually, in a bizarre way, happy with that. His love of this game of soccer uh, was the second stage in his career, where he loved soccer so much, he wanted to make sure Americans, much like how football with Who's Lines Anyway was for America, he wanted to make sure soccer was appreciated in America. So he became a major stakeholder in the Seattle Saunders football team. And he was just committed to just, we're bringing back soccer. If he was to ever return the TV, it was to be a friend on like Craig Ferguson's Late Late Show and nothing else. He's not trying to do stand-up comedy anytime soon if he is it's just kind of like a surprise gig at the laugh factory this was of course at the peak of the bush administration so the war in iraq was bad and the democrats were kind of fizzling you don't know between hillary and obama and cbs got this big money game show drew carey uh, says okay i guess i'll do it fine i'll just do the pilot he doesn't think much of it he kind of plays up the fact that because he's libertarian he does he's not a democrat he's not a republican i just want my weed to be legalized woo and of course other things but let's not get ahead of ourselves so the show would end up becoming slightly successful he gets a pickup hey you want to do prices right in the middle of power of 10 being picked up and that became the most important phone call in his life He's never really seen The Price is Right. He's not a big fan of The Price is Right. So a lot of naysayers will go, well, he's not a real true fan. He's not a loyal fan and true. Arrgh. So Drew 
was learning the hard way all of these pricing games. Drew was struggling to figure out what camera goes where, how does this game operate. So they had to pretty much hold his hand through eight pricing games to let him know, like, this is how this game works. This is how this works. And slowly, he was able to make the show his own. People say the first season of Drew Carey's Price is Right was terrible. And in many ways, they might be right. Drew really did not know how to fit the role of host, was still doing snarky comedy, making basically a piss out of every sponsor that some of them even got pulled. But this new hosting ability would still keep him on the show, and they gave him another chance. They kept him going. And so Drew has been doing that show for over a decade now. And yes, sometimes it still slips that people say, $1, Bob, right to Drew Carey's face. But Drew has been able to laugh it off for, for over a decade now because to him, like this is one of the coolest jobs in the world now for him. Yes, people still go, hey, you're the Price is Right guy. But because of his ability on Price is Right, he's now able to continue doing what he loves. Seattle Saunders football team, a serious XM radio show talking about classic rock, and being able to do whatever projects that he feels is necessary. Because that one little block of being the Price is Right guy is not necessarily who Drew Carey is. He's taking that step and branching it off into other facets. And when it comes to religion... Drew Carey is Buddhist. I would make a joke here about how a religious faith based on relinquishing personal possessions in favor of doing good things for good karma is more important, but I I kind of don't want to spoil the final part of this episode. So hey, let me tell you about the international formats of The Price is Right. Yes, The Price is Right is an iconic game show, so much so that it's been pretty much played almost all over the world in some fashion so for instance in australia's version they would have something called the mega showcase where you would have to rank 12 items in order from least to greatest to win all these big prizes if you fail you don't win anything and they made a last time they did they did a reboot with a big sponsorship by big w which is the equivalent of a walmart over there where a lot of their prices was um, not as fabulous as, say, winning a new car or fabulous trip, but rather a $400 gift certificate to Big W. Yeah, so it didn't really last long. But another version that did very well happened to be in the United Kingdom uh, in the 90s with a show called Bruce's Prices, right? Hosted by the iconic game show host Bruce Forsyth. It's so nice to see you, to see you nice. The Generation Game host was basically, anytime they ever had to do an American game show, Bruce Forsyth was either the first one to call or Bob Monkhouse, but it's Brucey, baby. So for Bruce Forsyth, uh, he got to host The Price is Right. And in this modern version of the show, it was played almost like a full hour game show, but it was kind of truncated to half an hour. It's like a full 30 minutes. And here's how they handled the show. They had four people in contestants row and three pricing games. Not really do they play for a car, but it's sometimes rarely they do. They were actually going to be playing for lower stakes. Sometimes their budget was a little less. But instead of having two people do the showcase, 
they would have one person do the showcase. To determine who goes on to that showcase, they would spin, you guessed it, the big wheel and do the showcase showdown. But on their wheel, if you land on a dollar, or I guess it would be 100, a pound, a full pound, you will get 1,000 pounds on the spot. And that was it. So whoever was the winner would get to see a showcase, and they would get to decide what is the range on their bid. Uh, in one version, they would stop the range finder, which is kind of like a weird press your luck style lighting flat board. Uh, and they would hit the big stopper and like catchphrase, bump, and they stop and it's anywhere between 1,000 pounds and 5,000 pounds. Other times, it was just pick an envelope, much like a Wheel of Fortune bonus round in the 90s. Then they would show the one and only showcase. And yes, even though this felt a little bit awkward, they still had fabulous prizes. Here is a ski boat. Here is some skis. Here is a schooner. And here is a widescreen television with a reclining chair. And here is a new car. All those items can be yours today if the price is right. With Brucey giving another iconic catchphrase. You can be, let's just say 3,000. 3,000 pounds under, but not a penny over. And that would start another dramatic effect. So then they make their bid. It's 18,000 pounds or whatever. All right, let's slap 18,000 pounds. And now let's reveal the actual retail price is, because now Brucey doesn't know. We're just waiting it on. Boo! Oh, you're out of the range. I'm so sorry. Oh. Or you did it. You won. You're the big winner today. Look at your stuff. Look at the things you won. Hooray. And remember, Brucey's price is always right. The show would be so iconic, but eventually fizzle out, even though people like Joe Pasquale would end up trying to host the show for a while. And now they're attempting to reboot it not once, but twice with Alan Carr as the host. Uh, one aired during Christmas as a test pilot, and the other aired on Epic Game Show. Eh, take it or leave it. I don't. I don't really... Um, cared much so now we would go back to the country that matters america because we're americans usa usa and we got to go tr through our now tribute to the iconic game show announcers of the price is right first one was johnny olson johnny olson the legendary game show broadcaster of its time when a lot of people think of the price is right they don't think of modern day they don't think of any of the others they only think of Johnny Olson. Johnny Olson speaking for The Price is Right, a Mark Goodson, Bill Tomlin production. Stay tuned for Match Game on most of these CBS stations. Because he had this, uh, he was, to a lot of people, the voice of game show announcing. Like, if you're going to go with the world of game show hosting, this is the world of game show announcing, and Johnny Olson was that, that number one voice. And unfortunately, uh, when he passed away, they were looking for replacements. And their new replacement was the voice of game shows in pretty much the 80s and 90s, Rod Roddy. Rod Roddy, famous for his spectacle jackets and thick glasses, would end up hosting the show more like, a, more like an enthusiastic uh, uh, 
scream, if, as it were. So it'd be like, here it comes from the Bob Barker studio with CBS in Hollywood. Rod Roddy was also the announcer for game shows such as Press Your Luck. So if, if you've ever seen old school Press Your Luck with Peter Tamarkin, Rod Roddy's voice will be playing overhead. These three people are after big bucks, but they'll have to avoid the whammy as they play the most exciting game of their lives. That was Rod Roddy. And to me, that was my favorite host of like game show announcer on The Price is Right. Because to him, he was kind of this weird, silly guy. It was kind of like, to me, there was that weird dynamic that I thought was kind of fun. Where it's like, here's Bob Barker, this ultra-suave, well-dressed guy, just going like, hey, how's it going? Welcome to The Price is Right. And then you see Rod Roddy, and here's this guy wearing bejeweled jackets, and it's all spectacled and flashy. Like, you are definitely in Hollywood where, looking at Rod Roddy. And uh, unfortunately, then he passed away. So they were trying to come up with different announcers. And uh, what became the, I guess, third permanent host, even though they had a few rotations, was one Rich Fields. Rich Fields... Uh, did broad, did some weather reports for CBS here in Los Angeles. And he was kind of a go-to uh, reader for, for promos most of the time. So he was a standard game show announcer. And yes, if you want to hear like promotionals for grocery items, you can't go wrong with Rich Field. So here he is talking about like Hormel Ham. Hormel Ham is full of 14.8 grams of fiber use as directed but when it came to the drew carey era uh it really was kind of like a weird thing to have the silly drew and then rich is being serious announcer so a lot of the time they were kind of being quasi mocking the the seriousness of the game show announcing there was a flip of the roles that i would see between rod roddy with bob barker with drew and rich so Drew was the wacky guy, Rich is the serious guy, talking about the 1995 Nissan Sentra that he got let go. In the quest to find a new reporter, they got all sorts of improvisational favorites, and it ultimately went to one George Gray. George Gray was a game show host for shows like Extreme Gong, Junkyard Wars, and everyone's favorite game show with a weakest link in syndication. George Gray is now the current announcer for The Price is Right. And this version is kind of more like a crazy town now. I'm going to say a crazy town announcer because now you have Drew, you know, who's just lighthearted, foot, hey, come on down. And now you have George Gray, who has had all sorts of characters from the uh, sarcastic dullard to the dry bartender to the uh, snarky guy in the classroom, to now this new version where he's just energy aficionado. And he's always on high. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Hi, Drew. Hey, everybody. What's happening here on The Price is Right today? And it's now he's acting like he's basically the announcer is the game show host. And George Gray is doing like the game show host stereotype of hey everyone welcome to the price is right hey how's it going folks anyway we have a fantastic prize. look at this fabulous prize from general electric this uh stone up this store this uh refrigerator freezer 
uh, holds over 24 cubic feet of food. Back to you, Drew. Or uh, here's this automatic pancake maker. Can make up to 1,000 pancakes in an hour. Back to you, Drew. And then when it gets to like the... Uh, the, the grocery items, it, it becomes kind of like a, a weird grocery list where he's just checking things off. So you hear, like, Drew, like, all right, well, we're going to be playing some guys. Right? This, this person here, he's all the way from Cleveland. I'm from Cleveland. Isn't that fantastic? All right, well, George, uh, what can you win? How about uh, this motorcycle? Well... All right, you can do that when you check out with you with these five grocery items take it away george it is this 16 ounce box of this this 22 ounce of this uh this is some pineapple tidbits this is a pack of light bulbs and this is some garlic tablets garlic use as directed back to you drew <laughs> and that's and then it just goes back to like it's a new car that it, it to me it's like george gray is kind of like to me now he is the price is right almost more so than drew even though drew is the star of the price is right and i can't get upset with george gray when you're looking at george gray you know you're in for a good time for for george gray is kind of like the guy who's not really like selling you on the things he's kind of just making sure you're having a good time as it were he's kind of now like the world's biggest cheerleader and in a world where a lot of people don't really know like the best way to do game show announcing george gray just said just act like a co-host work as the second banana to drew and things will work good and so far so good because he's still on the show he has a cool booth he gets to demonstrate prizes he gets to be part of the show lots of laughs can be had on, on the showcases and it's just an enjoyable time. Now I get to go to the final part of the show. The Price is Right really is the happiest place on earth. When you see The Price is Right on television, you're really seeing one of the happiest productions ever devised. You're lo- when you're watching that hour of game show, you're not really thinking about any problems going on in the real world you're not thinking about maybe uh illness in your family maybe you're not thinking about uh the massive amounts of debt you've gone through the loss of a loved one even maybe you've uh got into a you broke up with uh, with uh, with your girlfriend you got through a divorce Lots of problems going on in your personal life. And yet, you're just sitting down there, probably depressed. It's daytime. Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe you're struggling to find a job. But you're flipping on the TV, or in this case, CBS All Access. I don't want to be picky. And what are you watching? What's that 45 minutes you're about to see? The very first thing you see is is George Gray. Here it comes from the Bob Barker studio at CBS in Hollywood. And suddenly you're seeing all these happy people. If you really think about it, each one of those people is probably dealing with something in their own lives. 
Maybe they're having a shitty day too. And this was the one thing they were looking forward to. Maybe they're visiting from Los Angeles to go to a funeral, go to a wedding, say hi to a friend they haven't met in 20 years. But along the way, they decide, I'm going to take the pit stop to Los Angeles. I want to see this game show that I've heard about. So they decide to get a ticket and go see the show in person, maybe with a friend, maybe with their college classmates. Maybe this is the last two raw before they all go their separate ways. We don't know. And the energy in that show is different. Everyone there is screaming, excited, not just to be picked, but just for the fact that they're at a game show, The Price is Right. Maybe they're going to see someone that they saw in the line, in the studio. They were talking to, waiting there for maybe two or three hours. And they're like, oh, we're just visiting from Boise. We decided to go on the show. Our son's graduating college. We just wanted to visit. And next thing you know, one of them is up on stage. You wouldn't help but celebrate that. You're like, this total stranger I just met like five minutes ago is now up on stage. That's so cool. Because now they're a contestant on a game show. And you know that this show has lots of cool prizes. Now, I'm going to go throw this in here. The prices right prizes nowadays are not the prices of the, Drew, of the Bob Barker era. I've yet to see a grandfather clock in the span of 10 years. Goner got grandfather clocks now are pretty much, for lack of a better word, things that are either necessary or things that are fun, or things that when you see it, you say, I want that. So you will see smartphones, smartwatches, smart accessories, over-the-top computerized refrigerators. Uh, if you're going to see an outdoor grill, that outdoor grill will come with a pizza oven. Why not? If you're going to see a trip, it'll come with like all sorts of cool recreational activities. Or it might be first class. It's going to be over the top in some way where you're going ooh-ah in a very fun way. And that person, that person you were just talking about, just maybe they were just having a rough day, but they're excited to be there because maybe this was like their first time on The Price is Right. Maybe they're there with their family and they just made a family vacation out of it. Lots of backgrounds. Maybe it's a honeymoon couple. Maybe it's a first-time mother. Maybe it's a college student and their doormate. Or multiple people from one single dorm showing up. There's lots of backgrounds to all sorts of people on The Price is Right. But all of that is forgotten, much like the cares in the world outside of that studio. It's nothing but joy. Bliss. Excitement. Everyone there is happy. It's the weirdest, most strangest sensation. I can't put into words what it's like to be in the audience at The Price is Right. Haven't been there. But I can tell you the energy in that room is nothing like it. I've been to sporting events. I've seen, the. I've been to theme parks. Yes, there is pure joy going to Disneyland or going to Six Flags, going to Universal Studios. Okay, maybe not Universal Studios. Are we kidding here? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> uh, but, but no, like 
when you go to like say your your favorite basketball game or 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 baseball game or football game you know that energy of when your home team wins the gets the catch and gets the touchdown or your favorite uh baseball team gets the home run or you know it's the nba championships and your team just kind of got a seven point lead and there's about 30 seconds left suddenly everyone's just screaming yeah it's that kind of energy maybe tripled why because everyone there is i guess happy to be there but they know that there is some cool stuff and cool surprises they all love the surprise and they all love the fact that there's going to be cool stuff right yes when they see the show someone's going to like scream woo 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 and be like a siren contestant some of the time obviously it's force other times it's real holy shit i've watched the show as a kid this is my first time in los angeles i'm only here with my girlfriend and her family holy shit i just got called up on stage it happens it happens more times than you think most times it even has to get a little toned down from the audio department and you will see the bids and a lot of people know what to expect yay it's a prize woo it's a prize they don't really need to be coached on it even though there's a guy who wants people to be energized and be a warm-up even George Gray has to do warm-up on the show. But what makes this very fun is that uh, when you hear that, like, $1, suddenly everyone's, like, celebrating the dollar bid like it's the catchphrase on the show. When someone is doing that mean thing where you're seeing, like, an old lady who's clearly in her 80s, I would like $600, Drew, being... And then the next contestant right over there. It's the last bid. What's the what was her bid? Six hundred dollars. Six oh one. You know you're gonna hear boo like just like like almost like a heel turn. Like screw you, lady, I hope you lose. When it gets to that reveal of the prize. But here's the thing that is also kind of fascinating. Even though Maybe that lady who did 601 wins, or maybe it was exactly $600. It doesn't matter because whoever got called up on stage, it could be a truck driver from Texas. It could be a same-sex couple from San Francisco. It does not matter. They're going up on stage, and they're about to play a pricing game. When the new car shows up, even though most fans would know there's two of those per episode it still catches people off guard because it's a car holy shit it's a car everyone's going that guy i know i just saw him he could win a car holy shit unlike other game shows like like i have to take this into like a quick uh segue other game shows like um a lot of audiences are vicious. If you never notice, like on Deal or No Deal, or on, uh, say, uh, Millionaire, there's always like that one era of the con- of the audience 
where they just kind of scream at the contestant if they dick the risk and they're wrong. And they kind of go like, you blew it, you greedy asshole, screw you, boo, fuck you, deserved it. There's always that one pessimistic audience guy. And in the Russian version of, our, of Once Be a Millionaire, they intentionally fuck with the contestants by picking the wrong answer. So they don't have a real help in the lifeline of Ask the Audience because they don't want to have them be of an upper stature in class. Well, on this show, none of that matters. The audience is on your side. The audience, regardless if two minutes ago they booed your ass, is now on your side. Because they want to see you win that car. They want to see you win the trip. They want to see you win the, uh, the, the cool outdoor television package. They, they want to see you win. Everyone wants to see the contestants win the cool shit. So for one weird moment, this sounds very shit-lib to me. It doesn't matter your political alliance. It really does not matter what you voted for, who you voted for. Because you're seeing a total, you're seeing a total stranger you've just met up on stage, and you're going to cheer them on and hope they win that cool car, or you want to see them win the trip, and you're not seeing the audience root against somebody on The Price Is Right. I've rarely seen, rarely, and I mean like one out of maybe like a thousand episodes. Have I seen a boo be heard over a contestant losing? I have heard a contestant go against the audience and pick a different answer, and Jans goes, ooh, I don't know. Hmm. But that's that's different. The boo is you're not listening to us. We want you to win. And here, that could help them or hurt them. It doesn't matter. It's their choice. But, hey, if they win... They're still going to celebrate, yeah, because they're going to take it like a personal win to them. And if they lose, oh, but they're going to take it like it happens, like, oh, rats. It's never really disappointment. Yes, for maybe a few minutes for that contestant, they're going to feel disappointed. Maybe for the rest of the day, they're going to be like, I should have picked a six. It was six. It was 16,000, son of a bitch. But it, it doesn't matter. On The Price is Right, it really does not matter because it is just pure serotonin. It is pure win. This is brighter than any casino. This is happier than any theme park. The Price is Right is literally the happiest place on earth, more than Disney World. The only time you really see actual depression and actual grief is right near the showcase round or right after the showcase round when they know that no one else is getting called up to play a game so they know you're not going to get called so there's a huge selection of audience members that thought it's going to be me it's going to be me and it's not them so for the rest of the episode they're just kind of just out of the moment but they're still watching because they want to see someone win the cool prize in the showcase when they leave the studio to go to the Grove, I, I people watch. I people watch going to the Grove. And six times out of ten, while everyone's wearing their Drew Carey shirt, pick me, Drew, I want to play Plinko or whatever, 
Most of the time, it's going to be one person looking very disappointed and pissed. Like, it should have been me. I should have done this. I should have won. But the other, it's and it's always someone either who's been on that show multiple times and haven't been picked, or someone who is a real fan of the show will go, I don't care. I just saw somebody win a, a Mitsubishi. That's kind of cool in my book. I saw someone win a car. Did you see that showcase? Someone is going to Seattle for a week, and they're going to go to Cleveland to go to a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they won a car. Whoa. So they're trying to, like, brighten it up in the form of, like, but I saw something cool happen today. I got to see someone win. I got to see, even if, by the way, even if the show is a real stinker, I mean, we're talking loss, 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 double overbid. And nothing good happened that entire episode. What you're going to see is, wait, so they didn't win anything? Someone's always going to try and do that optimistic thing. Well, no, someone did win, like, the blender. Oh, and so-and-so did win, like, the uh, the pizza oven. I keep saying pizza oven, right, because I'm hungry. Uh, or... Hey, did you see the barbecue smoker? That was cool. And then they will go like, I can't believe they almost won the BMW. Or I can't believe we saw Plinko. Like, they're always going to be an optimistic viewpoint on the price is right in a way that I love so much, which is why it's such a great game show to end off of, at least for me. Because to me, this is a show that showcases the best and even sometimes the worst in humanity as i am going to digress yes everyone shows up a stranger but they're there for hours they're talking to each other they're becoming friends there is no survivor form alliances there is only just like get the guy coming up on stage i'm happy for them celebrate kind of alliance as it were but there's always going to be that $1 overbidder or the $1 bidder in general. And no matter what, they want to see somebody win. And they want to make sure they're helping that person succeed. Drew obviously wants to see the contestant win. Why? It's not his money. It's CBS's. That's his joke. It's not my money. It's CBS's. I want to give as much of this as possible. And he is not trying to trick them. He is not trying to deceive them. He is trying to play the game as it was intended. And have fun with the contestants to make sure they're not so nervous. Because if you're up on stage, you see a camera in your face, you're going to be like, I don't know where I'm from. The truth is there to really try and comfort you in the show. And yes, all these happy musics, all these happy trips... And let's make a deal in when I talked about that episode with Wayne Brady. I said that was uh, the daytime costume party. It was one big party, celebration, surprise party. And that was, that was a fitting tribute to the show. Wheel of Fortune, it is America's game because of spelling. Jeopardy, it is the ambassador of the game shows because of how it doesn't matter who you are we all have we all watch it because there's a category we think we're good at family feud is the united nations 
every country has some form of family feud because it deals with their customs, it does with their culture, and it's easy and funny, and you can replicate that again and again with different results. The Price is Right, which I have not given the nickname until the finale, is America. It is not, it's the most American game show ever devised. It is America in general. People from all faiths, people from all races and colors are all in one location cheering on each other to win stuff that they can't really afford because the economy sucks. Let's not kid ourselves. Prizes are prizes for one reason. You win them. We, you're not buying them. I'm giving this to you. This is like a gift. So a prize on the price is right. It's the flashiest. It's the shiniest. It's the newest thing they, they can grab that you want to buy. All of this stuff on the price is right is things involving merchandise that you can buy. Doesn't matter if it's on Amazon or the grocery store or Kohl's or Target or Walmart. Pick any department store you want. Please support small businesses and mom and pops. It doesn't matter. You buy. We as Americans are consumers. Our whole capitalist mindset is based on free enterprise. This show celebrates that in grand design. If you know the price of these items, you can win them. That's it. You are celebrating consumption in a capitalist economy. That is America. I'm not going to try and do a leftist Marxist critique on the prices right. I feel like that's kind of run its course. But when we think about how capitalism strives, you have to look at the value of a dollar. What is minimum wage? How much does that give you? How much does that mean for rent? How does that mean for bills? What's the average credit card debt? What's the average cost for rent of an apartment? What's student loans like? All of these things play a value even if most of them are outside the realm of the price is right. Why? Because $1. That $1 is the value that the manufacturers suggest be the price of a certain item. Well, this uh, brand of gelatin is $1.50, but that premium version is $3.50, for instance. Or, hey, look at this weird toaster. It's a two-slice toaster. It's 35 bucks. But if you want four slices, it's $60. If you want a toaster oven, it's $85. If you want it to give you a, a text message when it's ready, that's $120. Why is it $120? More bells and whistles and features. But at the same time, because it wants to have this weird element of, well, you'll need to work a little harder if you want this because it shows premium. And now you have to go through the entire world of economics. And I'm not going to give you an economics lesson. I don't even want to give you a political science lesson in this. But uh, the people who do the best on The Price is Right... As I have noticed, time and time again, is not rich people. It's not even the upper middle class people. 
yes you would assume somebody who lives in with the with the weird uh what's it called the nuclear family the wife and two kids in the two-story home uh four bedroom three bath or three and a half bath two bedroom uh two uh car garage they would have the room for all the furniture and the cars and the boat they would have all the room they'll have the room for the hot tub but you asked them to guess the price for a hot tub. They will continuously screw up time and time again. The contestants that do the best on the prices right really are just the working class. Why? Because for the working class, they have probably had to pinch pennies. They had to know what the price of certain things are because they're familiar with that growing up. Maybe they have aspirations to own certain items on the show. So sometimes they have that weird secret uh, aspiration board like, I really want a jet ski, but I don't have $6,400. Well, lo and behold, here's a jet ski. And all we're asking you is what's the first digit? Is it a 5, a 6, or a 7? If you work in retail... Especially in today's environment, as I'm recording this, we're in COVID. Uh, lots of scary things are happening, department stores, grocery stores, you name it. But people who work in retail, who have to figure out the pricing of things, or is at the checkout counter, they see those prices every day. They also would know it. You know why they would know it? Because just like the working class person, they're not really making anything above minimum wage. A lot of these people are struggling on an economic level, and they need help. Isn't that why a lot of people go on game shows? Financial struggle? Now, yes, you got to point this out here real quick. They're going on a game show where they're winning prizes, and these prizes have to be taxed. So they have to make sure they have enough money to pay the taxes on the prizes that they've won. So theoretically, they're really only going to be buying these prices at a discount. If you really want to go look at it that way. So the car is really $1,200 instead of $26,550. All right. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here on, on taxation, on game show gift prices. Um, this is a show about possessions. These possessions are prizes. The, the prizes are stuff you need. I mean, you need a car to get around for a job, for instance, unless you want to do public transport, which is a good idea. Maybe you need a computer because you're a college student and you need to work. Or maybe you have a work and you need a work laptop. They're there for you. Treadmill, maybe you, you are a long-distance runner. Every single thing that they try and come up with is now con considered more of a need than a want, even though these are the expensive, over-the-top prices that people want. A lot of the times, the new prices, right prices, all have a theme, such as, say, like food delivery for a year, uh, groceries for a year, and then like a new car. Because then you can get like DoorDash and Instacart and have a good day. But uh, it's all trying to help people. These are all prizes that should help people. 
the Price is Right is able to try and help people and have a big smile on their face and so many people show up with either the aspirations of doing that or just to see somebody get through it. It's still strange from my perspective to hear people who have never gone on a proper vacation in their entire life and the Price is Right's giving them a trip and they're in shock as they have to realize they have to get a passport or something because it's international. Those reactions are real. They're not rehearsed. They're not trained. So the show is genuine emotion and genuine joy, which is tough in a world where all around it, it's misery. It really is miserable. And the price is right is pure bliss, pure joy. It's wholesome. It's the longevity game show. Because as long as there are companies, as long as there are products, as long as there's a need for stuff, this show can continue to strive. As long as there's a grocery store, this show can continue. As long as there is a place, rather online or physical, to buy things, this show can continue. And from that, through all the good and the bad, it's why this show can last for decades and be loved time and time again. It's the go-to show when you're sick. It's the show that you watched as a kid and you're an adult now. The Price is Right knows you watch the show for that feel-good moment of somebody winning prizes. They know you want to see those prizes. They're flashing the prices at you. It's great commercial for these prizes. Buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this. Look at this logo, look at this logo. Buy this, buy this, buy this. In between commercials telling you to buy stuff. But because we're all in a world of hurt, we all can sympathize for whoever's the contestant on stage is, and that's why the audience in mass wants them to succeed. It does not matter who they are. They want to see that person do well. And that's the strength that we actually do have, is once we all realize that we're all hurt, we're all damaged, we all need help, we can pull that resources together and actually make a difference. Even if that difference is making sure that Fremontal or CBS has to shell out $20,000, it doesn't matter. I'm glad I have taken this two-year journey with you discovering game shows and a lot about ourselves. For me, game shows come in two aspects, the game and the show. What's the format is the game, that thing that you see as the home game that they sometimes give away as prizes, that thing you want to replicate over and over again because it was just so much fun. But the show, what is the presentation like? What's the music like? What's the venue like? Look at all these lights. Look at all this flash. It's just three doors, an island, a turntable, TV monitors, and a big audience screaming at people. There's a giant TV in the background, sometimes displaying trips. But I hope you also realize that game shows can be a time capsule into the many generations that this genre of television has survived. From what does it mean to be in the suburbs of the 50s, to what does it mean to be a woman in the 70s, to the antagonistic of the 90s, to the big money risk taking of the modern day format, to today, when we don't even know what lies ahead. If you really think about it in the dumbest way, a game show is really just like a drug company sponsoring a show where people can win toasters by answering trivia questions. But I like to expand upon that. 
what are these game shows trying to teach you? Survivor, what is it trying to teach you about society? The Price is Right, what are the items that people desire? Even if you have all the answers in the world and you know everything, does it matter when it ultimately comes down to luck? I've always said a great game show can either be world-building or has aspiration or play-along. Yes, the Price is Right has aspiration. You want to win the prizes. The play-along is there. What do you think the price is? But that world-building, the world-building of the Price is Right is what I think a lot of people really want in almost anything. They want to be loved. They want to have joy. They want to be somewhat famous for a few minutes and then quickly fizzle out when they realize fame is not for them. For some, they want to have that feeling of independence. They went against the crowd and won. Others, rather through peer pressure or just wanting to fit in, will go with the crowd and either feel loved or have that instant regret at that hot moment. Game shows can tell us a whole lot about who we are. Who we are as people. Do we show empathy for others? Is it really about who has the most stuff? Is it whoever has the most money really wins? Or does it have deeper meaning? Is it just telling us that we as a society are greedy? Does it show us that we will willing to degrade ourselves if it means just having that one ounce of fame? We'd be willing to destroy personal relationships if it means just benefiting in one form or another. On a creative standpoint, are we just going to go with what is working right now or do we look into the future of what the new formats are? Or do we just dig up the old game shows and revitalize them for new audiences? Or is it really ultimately just like a package deal and some agent who owns a producer and a big name celebrity and the rights to a major game show from 1986 will just put all three together and hope it sells because that's what worked back then? Or if it's not the big name celebrity, maybe it's a YouTuber someone from the modern era for the kids because if they just have one fraction of that follower count this show would be a success you gotta believe in the host and the format will come later but trust me on this we know that this guy has 10 million subscribers and this is an easy 1 million views i have seen the highest of highs i have seen people's lives change on game shows winning millions of dollars to the lowest of lows where people were willing to get divorces because they appeared on Moment of Truth. As a guy who's podcast about game shows for two years, this journey looking at old game shows, it sounded like fun. And in many ways it was because I get to ramble about game shows and no one ever gives me that opportunity. But through that adventure of looking at old game shows... Sometimes you just look at what you're seeing and going, people enjoyed this? This show is really trying to teach us that housewives are dumber than their husbands. Or because one thing is popular, we can try it with this thing. Treasure Mall is exactly like Double Dare, right? And it was great the last few weeks. Months, actually. Talking about my favorite game shows of all time. Sharing them with you and why I enjoy them. 
it reminded me why I love this genre of television in the first place. It reminded me that even if it's very niche, even if a lot of people go like, yeah, but it's very cheap television, it's very disposable, why the hell would you care about this? Because ultimately, it does have meaning, even if it doesn't feel like it at the time. I don't think that people making these game shows in the 60s and 70s, I don't think they thought that in half a century from now, some guy is just going to be rambling into a microphone like a radio show talking about these game shows and their significance. And while it's sad to say goodbye to this podcast, a podcast that I felt came from my heart a lot, it's always a mix of sad news and good news because to me, I know that the good news is maybe somewhere out there, maybe not today, maybe not even next year, but in a couple years' time, maybe there's going to be some kid who's bored out of his mind or out of her mind or their mind looking at this old podcast about game shows and wants to just see what was this like, almost to have someone explain it to them in a silly way or a boring, almost feels like an audiobook at this point way. And they feel like they have a friend in the world of game shows. If that was me in this weird parasocial audio level, then I appreciate it. And maybe they'll go out and make their own game show podcast. Lord knows there's going to be a lot more game show podcasts besides this one. And they're probably going to say, like, I was influenced by you. And you said game shows were fun. And I loved game shows. I grew up watching Deal or No Deal or whatever. And I'll do it. May not be now. It might be in the later future. At a time when who knows. Maybe at a time when I'm not hurting. Or when the world's not hurting. When there's a bit more optimism. When people don't have to suffer. It's been fun taking this ride with you for so many years. Um, if you want to say hi to me, uh, I'm on Twitter. If Twitter's still around, this is 2020, uh, at Jordha. I am on jordanhaas.com. The archive of this is on jordanhaas.com slash podcasts. You might find me also on Patreon, if Patreon is still around, at patreon.com slash Haas. It is there I plan on, if I ever feel obligated to talk about game shows again, where you'll find me to talk about game shows one more time. Before I sign off and hang up the skinny microphone... And while we're at it, probably my aspirations of ever hosting a game show or producing a game show or even writing. I've been told I'm a good writer, but I don't know anymore. I'm losing that confidence in myself. But anyway, uh, before I sign off, there's been a there's a famous saying in the world of game shows. There is no such thing as goodbye, but See you next time. And for me, that holds true. This isn't a goodbye forever. This is I'll see you next time. Someplace, somewhere. I guess because it's the Price is Right episode. Help control the pet population. Have your pets spayed and neutered. And one last time, big smooch.
Mwah!